0: every day every day every day i will spend time with god i will pray i will pray Pray, pray i will pray i will be holy i will be holy 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 i will be holy i will be holy i will fulfill god's purpose for me and my generation my generation my generation i will fulfill god's purpose god's purpose for my generation for me and my generation my generation i will live the vow all right how is everybody today Good. Are you alive? Yeah, you're not... All right, this is the not fall asleep session. All right, this is the post-lunch, getting a little... It's been a long weekend, but we're all going to stay awake. Is that right? All right, now I know David Perkins, obviously, uh, will sometimes come up here and go like this, but we're going to stand up. Everybody stand up. Raise your right hand. Repeat after me. I, Desperate, will stay awake, we will love every word that you say, Aaron. It's going to penetrate to the depths of my heart. I'm going to let God rock my face off. This I swear to you. All right, you may be seated. How many of you like Leland? Yeah. How many of you love Desperation Band? How many of you love David Perkins? How many of you love coming to Desperation? How many of you, love, how many of you bought a t-shirt? How many of you like a t-shirt you got or something like that? Right? CDs? Yeah, a few CDs. Sorry, guys. Uh, Books? Anybody buy a book? (laughs) You got like four people that like books. That's great. How many of you like... uh, How many of you are not from Kalamazoo? How, How many of you guys love bus rides getting here? Yeah. All right. You know what? I love it, too. I love it. It's so great to be in a place like this. It's so great to come and and, and be with other people who are excited about God. It's so exciting to be able to come down right here and, and, and raise your hands and jump up and down and get excited. It's so great to be able to just soak in the presence of God and pray. It's so amazing to be able to hear guys like David Perkins and Pastor Lee Cummings and all the other speakers that are here to go to workshops and take notes. It's so great. I love it. I love the opportunities that we have to be able to come to things like this. I love the opportunities that we have to be able to get filled up. I love the opportunities that things like this afford to us to be able to hang out with a group of people that are like-minded, that are pursuing after God, that, that love Jesus, that love to hear worship songs like this and jump up and down and get high on God. I love that. I absolutely love it. But my question to you this afternoon is, that's what, is that what it is all about? Is it about coming to a, to a place like this, to a conference like this, and getting charged up for charged up sake? Is it all about getting a going on a on a little weekend, to get a spiritual high so that you can go back to your house or your home, you go back to your school, and just be more excited. Just be a happier person. Be a little more comfortable. Be a little more strong. Is that what it's all about? I I think all those things are great. I want you to hear me very clearly that in no way am I saying that those things are wrong. In no way am I saying that we shouldn't come to a place like this and you shouldn't get charged up. But I would like to just press the question just a little bit further and ask, is there more? Is there anything that goes beyond getting excited? Is there something that goes beyond walking away with a spiritual high? Is it just the spiritual high that we're after? And maybe what happens, if that's all it is for us, is that we wait till next year. Oh man, it's it's September and school starts. I'm really excited. It's October, and I need desperation again. Can't wait till next summer. I need, I need to go back and plug in that CD so I can just feel a little better. I, I lost, those, I lost that, that love and feeling I had at <laughs> desperation. I'm just not feeling the vibe anymore, and so I just need to go back and get a little charged up so I can have a little more, just the, just the vibe, the feel. I can feel more comfortable. I can feel a little better. I'd like to suggest to all of us, including myself, that there's more, that there's more, that God wants more, that there is something about an experience like this, there's something about diving into and jumping into God that does something deeper in our hearts. I want to jump into the Word of God here and talk just a little bit about what happens sometimes when we might become just comfortable and just get excited about things going so well. So one of the things that I think happens in a in a weekend like this is you start to feel good. You start to feel great. Oh, I'm so everything is is good. My my world is good. Everything's comfortable. Everything's great. I I, I my my ducks are now in a row. My 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 spiritual life. I'm on a spiritual high. I, I'm, I'm I got my summer job. Found a found a girl at desperation. So now we got like, we're both desperate for God. Desperation relations. It's awesome. You guys look at me like, yeah, what are you talking about? Don't even tell me you're not looking. Okay, so... <laughs> everything's like lined up. Let me point you to a passage of Scripture in the Old Testament. It's in the book of Amos. Now before, Before I read this passage of scripture i want to just tell you a little bit about what's happening here in the book of amos amos was a prophet he was a minor prophet i don't know if that meant that he was short but nonetheless we know that short people are great right david perkins (laughs) i can say that because david and i are really close friends and but amos minor prophet and he's a prophet in judah but he feels like there's some things that he needs to say to Israel. the The countries are they're, they're they're separated. The peoples are separated, and he goes to Israel. Now, what's happening here is that in Israel, things are good. They aren't being attacked by any enemies. There aren't any anything. There's no famine going on in the land. There's not a. There's no major problems. Life is good in Israel. They're happy people. They're comfortable people. They just had desperation Israel, Israelite style, and things are good. I mean, they're loving God. They're happy. Their life, their ducks are in a row. Everything is fine in Israel. Everything seems just right. And Amos pops into the scene in Israel and he starts to say some things to them that I think might resonate for us a little bit today. And he says this here in Amos chapter five. I'm going to read out of the message Bible. And he says this in starting in verse 21, he says, I can't stand your religious meetings. He's talking about God. He's speaking for God. He's a prophet of God. He's communicating the word of God. And he says, I can't stand your religious meetings. He says God is fed up with your conferences and your conventions. I want nothing to do with your religion projects, your pretentious slogans and goals. I'm sick of your fundraising schemes, your public relations, and image making. I've had all I can to take of your noisy ego music. Now, I don't think this is noisy ego music, and I don't think that God is saying, I don't think it's good and you shouldn't do them anymore. But there's something, he's getting to a bigger point. And he said, when was the last time you sang to me, do you know what I want? In other words, I I, I want your songs and I want your music and I want your hearts but I want something more. Do you know what I really want? And he says I want justice. Not just a little bit of it. Oceans of it. I want fairness. Rivers of it. That's what I want. That's all I want. Amos, a couple of verses and chapters earlier says some other things as he's encouraging and trying to provoke the children of israel the israelites to to do something the, the tribe of, of of israel to do something he's trying to provoke them to action he's not coming in just to say some mean things or cause a ruckus he's trying to provoke them to action and he says here earlier in the, in the beginning of verse four or chapter four he says You are mean to the poor, cruel to the down and out. Chapter 5, starting in verse 7, he says, Woe to you who turn justice to vinegar and stop stomp righteousness into the mud. You jump ahead into chapter 5, verse 10, it says people hate this kind of talk. Raw truth is never popular. For him to say this, I mean, he's not winning any popularity contest. Amos, there's no like Amos for president. Nothing like that is happening. Amos is, is kind of speaking and nobody's liking him. It says, but here it is, bluntly spoken, because you run roughshod over the poor and take the bread right out of their mouths, you're never going to move into the luxury homes that you've built. You're never going to move into the things that you want. You're never going to drink wine from the expensive vineyards you've planted. I know precisely the extent of your violations, the enormity of your sins. It's appalling. You bully right-living people taking bribes right and left and kicking the poor when they're down. Verse 13, justice is a lost cause. And then it's a few verses later that he says, all the things you're doing, it's not really what I want. I want more. I wonder if sometimes we might not come to this and think, "Uh, this is so fun, this is so great, I'm so hyped up, so excited. But I think God's saying, you know what, I want that, but I want that to lead to something else. I really want this. I want you to be excited. I want you to experience me. I want you to sing praises to my name. I want you to, to find people that you can walk through life with that are going to encourage you and challenge you and push you towards me to honor me every day to express my name in your schools to talk to other people about what's happened in your heart but but I want more there's something else that I want I want justice, oceans of justice and see what was happening is that they were not only disregarding the poor they were actually taking from the poor for their own gain They were taking from those who had little or nothing to add to their place of comfortability. I believe that if we truly fall in love with Jesus, if we're counting on God, that there's something more that happens in us. When we start to understand something, and we begin to respond to the Word of God, in this particular case, it was a prophet In our day, we respond to the voice of the Holy Spirit and He says to us, okay, this weekend, I love it. I love what's happening in your heart. But you know what? Now, I want something else. I want this to do something and to provoke something in you. I want justice in your life. I want justice to start flowing. I want you to start caring about the people that are down and out. I don't want you to not only not run over them, I actually want you to help them and help lift them up. I think that when we're counting on God, we hear the heartbeat of God. I think that heartbeat is communicated here in the book of Amos. God's saying, I love you and I love you loving me. But I don't want that at the expense of those who are poor and needy see because something happens when we fall in love anybody in love in here a couple of people just a few of you some of you are like sitting next to somebody and you're like i don't, I don't know is she gonna raise her hand <laughs> this is like a test you know and you're like Ooh, she, oh yeah i've been married for 13 years to my amazing thank you amazing wife, Jossie. We have three little boys. Parker's five, Cohen's four, Brooks is one. And, but when my wife and I started dating, and at uh, 13, well, about 16 years ago now, and when we started dating, we were in college. And when I, when I would go to class, I was kind of a back row guy. I was a uh, walk-in, sit-down in the back, maybe top back two rows was kind of my area get my book out take some notes fall asleep a little bit wake back up and the bell rang and I'm out You know, it was good, it was a good class for me enjoyed that, humanities psychology well I started dating my wife my wife was not a back row girl she was a front row girl i had a choice to make and see as we started dating and i started falling in love with this girl i remember we you know what happens sometimes you start to take classes together you know you want to hang out as much as you can and we were different majors but we had a couple of crossover classes and we decided to take psychology 101 together (laughs) and so here we are in psychology 101 and we walk in and i'm like all right here's our seat and she's like what I'm like, you know, back row And she's like, well, I'd like to sit in the front And I'm like, where's that? (laughs) I've never been there before So, you know what I did? Sat in the front row (laughs) You know why? You know why I sat in the front row? Because I love, loved her, I love her But you know why? It was, the, reason, <laughs> the reason is that when you fall in love with someone, you actually begin to love some of the things that they love. I didn't just sit up in the front row and put a scowl on my face. Oh, I can't believe I'm sitting up here with her. Wish I was in the back row. Oh, I love the back row. My back row buddies, they're back there sleeping. I got to stay awake. It's not how it was. Sat down. Got my book out. Actually had a book for this class. And (laughs) opened up my books. I mean, we are front and center, front row. Open up my book, take out my notebook, pen. Jossie, my wife did that. We're opening, we're sitting there. Take notes. And before you know it, I'm thinking, I kind of like that. I like this front row. You know why? Because I love my wife. When you fall in love with someone, you love what they love. You love maybe sometimes the restaurant they love. You love some of the foods that they love. You love some of the music that they might love. When you fall in love with God, you fall in love with what He loves. And you know who God loves? God loves people. And God has a special soft heart, soft spot in His heart for the poor and the needy. We see it throughout the Scriptures that He wants to be a father to the fatherless, the orphans. He has a soft spot in His heart for the widows. He has a soft spot in His heart for those who are down and out. God loves. He loves everyone, absolutely. But there seems to be this, this part in his heart that he, he loves them. And I think that if we are truly going to fall in love with Jesus, we begin to fall in love with what he loves. One of my favorite books, I think this is actually a book that every Christian should own. It's called Operation World. It's by Patrick Johnstone. It's, I know some of you are like, dude, that is so thick. It, this, is a, this is a great book. Even though it's thick, I'll, I'm going to explain it to you just for a minute here. But basically, this is a book about the world. And every it's a prayer guide, essentially. And, and, you, and you pray through the year or through every, every country or area or region of the world every day. So today is June 28th. And June 28th is the Islamic, Islamic Republic of Iran. And so we have a couple It's actually dedicates three days, the 27th the 28th and the 29th of June, to praying for Iran. And so it gives answers to prayer, challenges for prayer, spiritual needs of religious minorities. gives statistics on religion, politics, the number of people that are Islam, that have adhered to Islam, and the number of people that have given their lives to Jesus— this is an excellent outset, and that right there is one, two, three and a half pages. That's for three days. So it's, it's a book where you say, okay, God, what, what do you want me to do today? This, this book right here will help you connect with the heart of God. I just got back from Africa. I was in Africa for two weeks. I got back a little less than two weeks ago. And let me just tell you a little bit about Africa. We were in Uganda, Kenya, Ethiopia, Rwanda, Tanzania, and Egypt. And there's some pretty amazing things happening there. Of course, Bono's done a good job of letting us know about some of the crisis that's happening over there. There's AIDS victims and orphans and child soldiers. Ron Luce talked a little bit about that in northern Uganda. It it blows my mind. We had a team that Went to northern Uganda and interacted with some of these young boys that were taken out of their homes and trained as child soldiers, trained to be killing machines. And they've given their lives to Jesus, and the ways in which they hoped and worshiped God after experiencing the trauma that they have been through was absolutely phenomenal and will change your life. But there's great needs. Ron Luce mentioned last night that there's a lot of people giving clothes to them and they don't need clothes. They actually sell the clothes that are given to them in order to eat food. It says here in twenty to twenty-five percent of the people in South Central Africa are infected with AIDS. 20 to 25% of the population of Zimbabwe, Botswana, Lesotho, Namibia, and Swaziland are infected. Only 30% of Zimbabwe's 15-year-old girls are expected to reach the age of 30. Only 30%. Three out of every ten girls in Zimbabwe are going to reach the age of 30. Malawi, South Africa, and Zambia are not far behind. Other focal areas are East Africa, Congo and a place, a, a bid jan in the Ivory Coast. Only in Uganda has the rapid spread of AIDS been reversed. Major need. Some injustice going on. So something here in Kalamazoo, Michigan, means something for you in Zimbabwe. It means that somehow something happening thousands and thousands of miles away means something for you here. It's just a couple of sentences right here. I think a little, that's a little nice opening of your... Just open this up maybe right before you go to bed or wake up. Like I said, I think, Bible and Operation World. And you, you get a little bit of an understanding of the heartbeat of God. You start to fall in love with what God is in love with. Flip over to page uh, 408, and we have Libya. It's July 28th. So in about a month, if you were reading through this or praying through this, you'd get to Libya. Libya is in northern Africa. It's right next to on the western side of Egypt. Borders the Mediterranean Sea. Libya is an Islamic country. There's a lot of expatriates there, which means that there's a lot of people that are not Libyan that work there or have resided there, but they are not allowed to talk to Libyan people about Jesus. So there might be some international people that have a church there and are able to worship God, but if you are caught talking to a Libyan about the gospel, they, the Libyan, might be killed. You might be kicked out of the country and they might be killed. I heard recently that there are maybe, and I think this is probably because of security reasons, but I think that they they said that there was anywhere from, well, probably less than 100 known national Libyan believers in a country of, a little over, almost coming up on 7 million people. 7 million people and less than 100 Libyan believers. I think that'll drive you to your knees. Like I mentioned, today is June 28th. Where if we were reading, praying through this, we'd be praying for the country of Iran. And we'd understand that Iran. Is ninth. It's ranked ninth in the world on the persecution index. In other words, people who are Christians or potentially thinking about being Christians are being persecuted. They're of the hundreds of countries in the world. They're number nine. Number nine. I think that'll motivate your prayer life. See, are we just counting on God for some good grades? Or are we counting on God for Him to do a miracle in Libya and Iran? Are we counting on God for Him to bring me that hot girl? Or are we counting on God to do something about the child mortality rate in Southern Africa? When we're counting on God, we hear the heartbeat of God. And you think what you do is when you're Spending time with Jesus, all of a sudden you start to think about Malawi, Zimbabwe. Something starts to burn in your heart. You think, all right, there's something going on in here. I can't get those child soldiers out of my mind. I can't get the numbers of people that are dying before the age of 30. I can't get the victims of AIDS out of my, out of my heart, God. So is it just about, okay, now I'm aware of them and I can just pray for them? I think not only does it push us to hear the heartbeat and understand the heartbeat of God, but then it puts us in a place where we're moved to action. We are compelled by the absolute love of God that we believe that other people need to experience. The love of God. The love that says to somebody who has nothing to lift them up. It says in the New Testament that when you do it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. We so much want to say, I want to serve God. I want to serve Him. And how much are we reaching out to the least of these? And you are know, like called to action, it becomes a passion of your heart. In Isaiah chapter twenty-six, verse eight, it says that your name and your renown, you, your fame, what you're all about, becomes the passion and the desire of my heart. It's about doing something. That passion doesn't just, oh yeah, I'm really excited about this. Let me just print a t-shirt and we're done. How what happen what happens if maybe we're counting on God for him to use us to change a nation. And you're like, well, I don't, what am I going to do? I'm, I can't, I'm 15 years old. I can't change a nation. I'm 18 years old. I can't change a nation. I'm 20 years old. I change a nation. I can hardly change my shoes. What are you talking about? <laughs> you know that there was a couple of college students that went over to Africa not too long ago and brought a little video camera with them and went to Uganda and they they were going to travel around Africa, but kind of got stuck in Uganda, not, not by any problems with airline tickets or anything like that, but they got so caught up as they were filming and engaging with what was happening in northern Uganda with the child soldiers and the, and the, the running and the refugees and every difficulty that was happening there that they couldn't leave. And they just started filming. They said, we're going to make a documentary. They've made a documentary now that is spread, especially amongst college campuses, called Invisible Children. They're raising awareness support. They're sending now aid over there. They have not just awareness going on, but action is happening now. They're 19 years old. So I don't know if I can do much of anything. I mean... I guess I'll just leave it to Bono. I'll just like you know buy Bono's U two U- 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 CDs and everything's gonna you know like they'll, they'll Bono can do that. I was in Rwanda and we we had a group we had a team there that had raised some extra money to be able to buy goats. So. What happens is they, they brought in this truck, and this truck is full of goats. We actually bought 25 goats at $31 per goat. 31 bucks. Buys a goat. So we had these little goats, and what would happen is we'd take these goats out of this truck, and there would be a line of widows. And we'd pull the goat out of the truck and hand it to the widow. These widows' eyes, huge. See, because $31 to a Rwandan widow was at least one year's worth of wages. So for her to be able to raise that kind of money and save that kind of money was virtually impossible because widows also didn't have much source of income because they had obviously lost their husbands. So they're here in a position where they're stuck. So we gave them a free goat. Now what they can do with this is milk the goat. They can get milk so they can start to get some sustenance. They can also then breed this goat with another goat, be able to sell goats. Now they've got a form of income. One of the other things that we did is that we also gave away these medical cards. Each medical card cost two bucks. Two dollars. You know what this two dollar medical card gave them? They could go to the clinic get checked out, and be taken care of at the clinic for a year. Two bucks. You're like, two bucks? That's like half a latte. Half a latte buys a medical card. Full latte, two medical cards. Medical insurance for a year for a and widow. You're like, well, I can't do anything. I bet you could probably buy ten medical cards. I bet you could buy a couple of goats. Now, don't buy it here and try and send it through the mail, just so you know. Just So you say, what can I do? Maybe you say, all right, I want to help somebody out. I want to make a long-term difference. We went and connected with Compassion International. Compassion International is a, a sponsor, child sponsorship organization. And before we left, we, we had a bunch of college students open and, and, and given the opportunity to be able to sponsor some kids. Well, what happened was that we had, in one night, 200 little kids throughout the world that were sponsored. What that means is they're given medical care, education, and the opportunity to know Jesus. $32 a month. That's like eight lattes. Eight lattes a month changes a life. That's like... mm, Three movies, maybe four movies. Changes of life. What happens? You start to say, "Wow, uh, oh latte, kid in Uganda, taken care of, not going to become a child soldier." I think I'm going to give up the lattes. I think I'm going to. Think I'm going to sponsor that kid. And you know what happens is if they go through their whole program, and they get to the place where they go through high school. Once they turn 18, they're out of the program, unless they get the opportunity to become a leadership development program student, which essentially means that they are able to go to college. Well, I I told my college group that I lead on Friday nights, I said, hey, you know what I would love to do? And this was after we had encouraged everybody to sign up and sponsor a child was for them to be able to i said let's sponsor one of those college students somebody that we can send to university now for four years and i said let's go ahead and let's raise money for them to be able to we'll just take care of the whole thing all at once all four years now a, a child sponsor up to the age of 18 is 32 dollars a month now it's a much bigger commitment for somebody to go to university it's 300 dollars a month and then they also go through a leadership development program where they're taught to be Servant leaders. Now, I'm talking to college, poor, poor college students. In one night, we raised $15,000 and paid for this leadership development student to go to college for four years in Ethiopia. He's a political science major. I met him when I went to Ethiopia. When I met him, he started to cry. I started to ask him his story. He grew up in po- absolute poverty. No way that he's ever going to university. He has a desire to be a politician, to get into the government, and to help people. He wants to get into the places where he can help other people. So, by just a little bit extra a month, we're able to help the poor and the needy in Ethiopia. You say, well, I don't really have any money and maybe maybe I can, I can do that, but I don't know. I, I don't have the ability to do that, or that's nice, and I encourage every one of you, at least once in your lifetime, go on a short-term missions trip. Go overseas. Get out of the borders of the United States. Go to Africa. Go to Asia. Go to South America. Go to Central America. Go to Europe. Go somewhere and start to see, not just hear about, but see what it is that God loves. You say, well, what am I going to do? think god will use you actually i know god will use you you say well i, I don't have much money I, I don't have the ability to raise thousands and thousands of dollars a few years ago i took a group of people to morocco and there was one guy that his talent was he was a dj he's kind of the wicko i call him the wicka wicka guy And so he'd be in a band and he'd be right up about here. And, you know, that's him. He's the wicka, wicka. All right. So he says, well, I'm really interested, but that's all I know how to do. And he said, he said, but I've been praying about this trip to Morocco. And he says, what if I made a CD? Like, all right, great. Make a CD. So he makes a CD. He and a buddy make this hip hop CD. And they record it. And he says, you know, I've been praying about this CD. We're just about finished. But what I've been thinking is, is that we can put something onto this CD. We can put the Gospel of John on the CD. So when they pop it into their computer, if they have a computer, what will come up first will actually be the Gospel of John in Arabic. See, you're not allowed to go to Morocco and and bring a Bible and hand them out and just set up something on the street corners. So he's like, maybe this is a way that we can communicate the gospel so we end up doing this hip-hop concert there in morocco and and we had duplicated these cds and we gave these cds out for free after the concert completely gone in one night and the next day this guy comes running up to us and he says are you american hip-hop star comes up to me and i'm like (laughs) yes i am what can i do for you And he says, that's CD, that's CD. I I got the CD from you guys. Last night I was here and and there was something about the music. I don't know what it was, but I took the CD and I I brought it home. I put it in the computer and up past this this book, this this thing, these writings. And I read this. I read the whole thing. Tell me about this book. What is this all about? He read the entire book of the Gospel of John in Arabic that night. Comes to me, says, what is this about? I tell him all about Jesus. And he says, that's what I want. Why? Because this guy said, I-, "I know how to DJ. I'll make a CD." So well, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do it." Okay, maybe I don't have any like special wicka wicka talents. I'm not like wicka wicka man or wicka wicka girl. I-, I don't know about that. I I mean, I'm kind of average. I'm kind of like not talented. I like dribble a basketball. I can't dribble a basketball. I can't kick a soccer ball. I can barely talk. You know what you can do? He <laughs> can pray for people. see because it says in in Colossians chapter one verse twenty seven it says, "This is the mystery of the gospel. It is Christ Jesus inside of you. That is the hope of glory for the, ho- the poor and the needy for everyone. So what does that mean? That means that you can go to Uganda. that means you can go to Kenya and you can pray for someone. Why Because you have God inside of you so what does that mean maybe for the poor and the needy well it could mean that you were just like this one guy that was on this trip just a couple of weeks ago and there was this little kid that was kind of on the sidelines there was they were playing soccer soccer with this with this taped up soccer ball really hardly a soccer ball but nonetheless it was a ball that they were kicking around in this dirt field and he couldn't play One of the guys on the team went over to him and he says, well, why aren't you playing? And he looks at him and his eye, is there's something wrong with his eye, come to find out that he's blind in one eye. And because of that blindness, he wasn't able to play. And the guy on our team kneels down, puts his hand on his eye, and he starts to pray for him. He says, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would open this eye because there was anything special about the guy who was praying for him, the only thing special about him was the fact that inside of him was the power of God. The only thing that was special about this guy is that it was the Christ Jesus inside of him and he says, I just pray for healing for this little boy. Pray for he to open his eye. And he stands up and he had prayed for lots and lots of people on this trip so far. And, but something amazing happened to this little boy. He stands up and his eye opens. And he runs out, yeah. That's amazing. And he runs out onto the soccer field and plays soccer. Another little kid comes up, couldn't hear. Different person on the team, lays hands on the little boy's ears, prays for him, and he can hear. God healed, opened the deaf ears, opened blind eyes. Why? Because he cared about this little kid. He cared enough to get on a plane, raise some money, he can go over and pray for them. You're like, well, I don't know about that. I don't know if I could do that. Well, I promise you, you can. I promise you, you can. And I was in China a couple of years ago, and there was a girl that we were talking, that was on, our t- on one of our teams that was talking with this girl who was a Buddhist. And she was sharing with her about Jesus, and she wasn't really interested. She said, I, I'm fine with what I, I've got here. Buddhism is for me. And, and the girl on our team said, okay, that's fine. Well, can I just pray for you before, before we leave? Thinking that maybe she's just... that her part in the process was, was just planting a seed. And she said, "Yeah, yeah, sure. I guess if you want to pray for me, that's fine. So they actually took hands, and this girl prays for her. And after a short prayer... Buddhist girl opens her eyes her eyes are about this big and she said I have never experienced peace like that in my entire life and 15 minutes later this little Buddhist girl from China gave her life to Jesus now I think sometimes we're, we, 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 we hear about Bono with lots of money and fame We hear about maybe a big, huge crusade and some pastor that goes over and is in front of thousands and has to have some. You know, you think, well, I can't preach like that. I can't do that. But you know what you can do? Hey, can I just pray for you? And now, this girl in China knows the Prince of Peace. She doesn't know about about peace. In Buddhism, there's a lot of understanding about peace. Well, it's all about finding inner peace. But now this girl knows the Prince of Peace. Why? Because she said, well, can I just pray for you? That's it. Or how about this one guy that i 've known for several years and 's been one of the, one of the quietest guys i 've ever known. His parents actually called me a couple of years ago said, "Is there anything that you can do for my son he 's so uh, afraid of talking to people that he, some of the things he wants to do he wants to go to school, but he 's so afraid of of having to talk or having to interact or go into new situations that that he won 't even apply. He wants to i know he, she, she called me and said, "I know the passions of his heart, but he 's so Paralyzed by fear, that she, he won't even apply to go to school. I said, so I'll, "I'll try. I'll see what I can do." Well, not long after that, he got the opportunity to go to Africa. I talked with him, and he decided that he was going to apply. He's going to make the big, huge leap. I was scared that maybe what would happen is that he would drop out after a month or something like that when he had to meet his team and do, you know, hang out with his team and that kind of thing. That he wasn't going to. Wasn't going to push past that, but instead he stuck with it. There was a guy that actually kind of took him under his wing and said, okay, we're going to kind of do this together. I'm going to help you. Well, this guy was in Kenya just a couple of weeks ago, and a couple of days into the trip, they were out in the middle of nowhere, Kenya. They were out in a place where people hadn't seen white people before. And so they walk into this village, and some of the children in the village were actually a little scared like, who are these? white-colored people. We've only seen dark-colored, dark-skinned people before. And so, so that, was, that was an interesting experience of them having to show that they're you know, just like them, just different-colored skin. And, and then they started going door-to-door, hut-to-hut to talk to people. And this guy, Mr. Quiet Guy, goes to a, a hut... And inside is a 99-year-old man. He was born in 1908. That's like as old as dirt. I think he's friends with Moses, you know, so. <laughs> and he walks, when, these, when, they, when they come to his door, he, his eyes got huge. And, and they got to talking and he said, I had a dream 20 years ago. That some white people would come to my village and tell me about something, and whatever they told me something was going to dramatically happen in my life, say so they told him about Jesus, and he gave his life to Jesus at ninety nine years old. Yeah. this This is the guy who who didn't who is afraid to do just about anything. Well, I got an email from him. This guy's about ready to do just about anything. I mean, he is ready to tear up the world. Why? Because he got a heart like God's heart. Something profound happened in him. And he was moved to action. And in the action, he saw God at work. And instead of saying, oh, I'm going to live a comfortable life, maybe just Kind of step over or step on anybody to make sure that that 's where I stay is comfortable instead he said i 'm going to put myself into an uncomfortable situation that I am really kind of fearful of, kind of scared of, and i 'm going to allow God to work in my heart and move me to action and God did powerful things. One other story from this trip, and this this guy on, a trip, on one of the teams, he was actually in Uganda, they were doing, getting ready to do a crusade. They were just inviting people to an open-air crusade, and there was usually about 100 to 200 people that would show up, and they would do some music, and then somebody would share a testimony, just share about what God had done in their hearts. And As they were getting ready to do that, this witch doctor from the village and the surrounding villages walks up, and he's really causing a commotion. Now, in America, we don't have witch doctors that I'm aware of, especially ones that are just hanging out and kind of causing a disturbance. You know, somebody that's casting spells and maybe potions and all of that kind of thing. I mean, we're talking pretty serious stuff. The kind of thing that maybe you just imagine or you're reading a book or you see in a movie or something like that. He was the real deal. Trying to cause a ruckus, trying to intimidate all the students there. And one of the guys from the team went over and thought, I'm going to just talk to this guy. If nothing else, I would like to just get him to calm down a little bit. Maybe I can cause him to not be so much of a distraction. We can get him to to just move over to the side or something. And what ends up happening is they end up getting into a conversation. Well, the guy who was on our team that was talking to him used to be battling, he used to battle alcoholism and drug addiction. And the Lord, God had set him free. And he just started to tell his story to the witch doctor. Just starts telling him, oh, this is what happened to me, and this is where I've been, and this is what Jesus did for me. One hour later, this witch doctor says, I want to know this Jesus. Because one of the reasons that this guy had gotten caught up into some of the things that he had gotten caught up in, into in being a witch doctor had to do with some addictions that he had in his life. And he really wanted to be free. And all this guy did was tell his story just told a story about what God was doing in him, how he had counted on God, and God had changed his heart, God had changed his life, and now here he is, thousands of miles away in in the middle of nowhere Uganda, talking to a witch doctor, and the witch doctor says, I've got to know about this Jesus the next night then another crusade the witch doctor is like front, in the front row he brings a friend because he wants his friend to know Jesus the next night the witch doctor well ex witch doctor and his friend bring another friend and before, and the next night that guy gets saved so here they are now where this witch doctor is kind of on a crusade to help everybody in the village come to know Jesus because his life has been totally transformed you say i don't know what i can do all you have to do is tell your story all you have to do is tell your story about god at work in your heart Sometimes we get intimidated. Well, I'm not this. I don't have that. Or I'm not like this band or that band or this preacher or that preacher or this. I don't have this much money. All you have to do is recognize that Jesus Christ is in you. The power of God rests inside of you. And you pray with people. Let me just pray for you. Let me pray for those blind eyes, those deaf ears. Let me just tell you about what God did in my heart and how I've been set free. And before you know it, injustice. There's something in your heart that does something for injustice. You start to have a, a heart for widows and orphans. You start to think, and maybe as some of the people who have been on this team that just got back from Africa, they come back and they're like, Africa has ruined me. I just talked to a girl. She had been back for less than a week. And she said, I've already bought my ticket to go back to Kenya. She said, I'm going back to Kenya next summer. I'm going for as long as I can. As long as I can get a visa, I'm going to stay in Kenya as long as I can. She said, I'm bringing a friend with me. Another girl met somebody on the trip. She's now going to school so that she can get involved in this organization to help work in Sudan. where There's been massive civil war going on for years. People saying, all right, I'm giving my life away to this. There's something that happened in me. There's something that stirred in me. And, and you might ask them their story and they'll talk about how, well, I was in this conference and, and there was something that stirred and I heard this story or I, 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 something happened inside of me and I said, I want to do that. I want to go. And they go and their whole life is completely different. Why? Because they told their story. Because they prayed for somebody. Because they got God's heartbeat for the poor and the needy. And there's something that happened when they saw the injustice. And they said, the experience, the power of God that I've experienced, the love of God that I've experienced, the the ways in which I've engaged God and, and the ways that it, what it does for you, I've got to share that. And if that is through giving away medical cards, giving away goats as the door to be able to share that so that we can Give a cup of cold water to those in need. I'm going to do that because I want... I, it burns in my heart to spread the fame and the name of God. Not just in my school, but around the world. You say, oh, I don't know. I, I, and, and I can, I can, just, I can hear the, the, the thoughts. Well, yeah, but I got this plan. All right? I can't raise enough money. I don't have enough money to buy a plane ticket to do that. We had 250 poor college students go on this trip. They raised over three quarters of a million dollars in six months to go on this trip. I don't ever believe the excuse that you can't raise enough money to be able to go on a trip, never. It's always possible. If you want to go bad enough and you ask God and God is in the middle of what you're doing, I promise you, you'll be able to go. promise you. Well maybe there's a different excuse. Well I just don't I don't know. I don't know. I, I just I don't have the time. I don't have the I don't have the the finances, I don't have the the support, I don't know where to go. Let me just tell you one story. It's the story of William Borden. William Borden was the son of the guy who started Borden Milk, Borden Dairy. And some of you maybe are familiar with, with that. But it, nonetheless, it was a it was a company, an organization worth millions and millions and millions of dollars. And William Borden was to be the one the the one to to inherit it all. He was going to take over the company. He was set for life. And in college, he goes overseas on a trip. It was actually it was actually right before he starts college. It was his. It was his graduation present from high school he said his dad said you can do whatever you want I want to send you on a trip and he sends him overseas just to experience the world and he comes back and he tells his dad he says I was in Africa and I I want to go back I want to give my life in Africa and his dad wants to be a supporting dad but he says ah he just thinks I son you're going to take over the the family business you're going to be set for life you're going to have all the money that you need he says, I'll make you a deal. He says, if you go to school and you graduate, he says, you can do whatever you want. So William Borden goes to Harvard. He's thinking about it. He actually finds out and kind of prays about it and determines that he wants to go to Sudan. He graduates from Harvard, goes to his dad, and he said, all right, I held up my end of the deal. I want you to hold up yours. He said, okay. His son says, I want to be a missionary to Sudan. And then what starts to happen is people around William started to tell him that you're crazy. You're wasting your life. You're wasting your life. You have so much money. You have a fortune. You have a name. You have the ability to do just about whatever you want. You graduated from Harvard. The opportunities for you are endless. William Borden has a Bible. In the back of of his Bible, he writes something. He writes the date, and he writes, no reserves. And he signs all of his fortune over to his brothers. No reserves. In other words, I'm not going to just make, oh, this will be my backup plan. I've got some money in the bank. I know that I can just always come back to this. He writes in the back of his Bible, dates it. And then he goes and he, and he writes no reserves and he signs over all the money that he's supposed to be inheriting and gives it to his brothers. People are telling him, well, you'll, you'll be back. You'll be back. You'll go over there for six months and be too hot and you'll start thinking about the life that you left. And so William Borden starts to pray about that, thinks about it, writes in the back of his Bible, no retreats. And he buys a one-way ticket. A one-way ticket to Africa no retreats. I'm, I'm not coming back. I'm not, co- I'm not planning on coming back. I'm not planning on coming back to the money that I have. I'm not planning on coming back. And so I'm buying a one-way ticket, and I'm giving my inheritance to my brother. So he gets on this boat at that particular time and heads over to Africa. As he heads over to Africa, people, he can just hear the, the people. It's the the fa- even family saying, you're wasting your life. You're wasting your time. You're wasting your opportunities. So it happens that he's in Sudan and he contracts a disease and he dies. Six months in Sudan. So of course the family's devastated. They go to get his body, have his body shipped back to America and they get all of his belongings and when it's all brought back to America they find his Bible. And they open up his Bible and they see the dates of, that he's written in the back of his Bible where he says, no reserves, where he signed away his fortune. The date in the back of his Bible where he says no retreats and he bought a one-way ticket. But then they see another date and it's two days before he died and it says, no regrets. No regrets he knows he's about to die he wrote in the back of his bible I have no regrets my question to you this afternoon is: are you willing to give your life away to make your life make an impact for those who are the poorest and the neediest in your community and around the world or are you willing just to make sure that we're comfortable, we're okay, we're happy, we're, we've got a good high on God? Or are you willing to say, I'm going to do something that maybe nobody else wants me to do, or maybe that doesn't make the most sense, but at the end of my life, I want to be able to be just like William Borden right in the back of my Bible or right in my journal and say, I have no regrets. I have no regrets because I got the heartbeat of God I got the heartbeat of God, and the heartbeat of God says to look out for the widows and the orphans and the oppressed, the poor and the needy, not to ignore them, for sure, not to step on them for my own gain, but to actually reach out to them. Have I got that heartbeat? And then there was something inside of me that says, I've got to do something. Maybe that's going, maybe that's raising money, maybe that's buying as many health cards as you can get your hands on. Maybe that's starting a a, a fund in your own school to buy goats for widows in Rwanda. Maybe that's you and your friends sponsoring some kids through compassion. Maybe that's you and your friends deciding, or maybe it's your youth group that decides we're going to sponsor a leadership development program student in Kenya, Uganda, Ethiopia, Nepal, or Thailand, so that somebody can be trained in Christian leadership and maybe make a difference within their own country. Why? Because I can't get this burning sensation out of my heart that there's something more than just singing songs and coming and getting a spiritual high. And what happens maybe is that all of a sudden that that, that spiritual high starts to seep down deep into your heart. And that spiritual high becomes a spiritual life. And that spiritual high becomes a spiritual walk. And you can't help but just be dropped to your knees and you think, God, there's something happening in Malawi. I just read in the news, heard in the news about what's happening in Malawi. God, you've got to do something. And you start praying, and maybe you pray, and maybe something else happens, and you can contribute to it. Maybe there's a voice inside of you that says, "I want you to go to Malawi," and you're like, "Whoa, whoa!" But you know what? Obviously, you're loving what God loves, and you start to take action. Let's stand up. Let's pray together. Just want you to close your eyes, and I just want to have us us to have just a quiet moment. And what I want you to do is I want you to listen. And I want you to hear what God's heartbeat is. I want you to hear God's heart for the oppressed and the needy. I want you to hear the statistics that I mentioned just a little bit earlier. and We could could be reading statistics from here until next year about the Ways that people are oppressed. I just want us to have a a moment of complete silence. And I just want you to listen. Sometimes maybe we don't hear it because we don't ever take the time to stop and just listen. Millions of children who go to sleep tonight, hungry. Millions of people without access to clean water. Millions of people without a simple cure for a simple disease. It's available. that We, we don't even think about, we don't even deal with here that will kill them and their families. Orphans, Orphaned by AIDS. God, my prayer here tonight and this afternoon is that that we wouldn't be guilted into any type of action, but instead, God, it would be your love for us that compels us. It says, the love that I have experienced in you Drives me to communicate that love around the world drives me to make sure that other people experience you through a cup of cold water through a, a goat through a medical card through a prayer through the power of God changing their the way they see the way they hear, changing their eternal destiny, whether it be in Africa or Morocco or Asia and China and Afghanistan, South America, God, all over the world, we pray right now for those who are oppressed and in need. God, we pray that, I pray that every heart in here would be connected to your heart and have a special spot in our heart for the poor and the needy, for the widows and the orphans. That you would make our heartbeat, your heartbeat. That we would understand what it is. Understand and see what's going on and it would compel us, move us to action. Yeah. That if we were in Amos time, the, there wouldn't be an Amos that comes to us and says, yeah, you guys are singing great songs and the words are awesome, but, but you, you're, you're, you're doing it with, with the wrong end. There's more to this than excitement and songs. There's the needy and the oppressed that I want so much to touch through you. Move us to action, God. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. As we sing this last song, I want... I want to do something here. This last song is playing. I just want us to stay in an attitude of worship and, and an attitude of examining our hearts, examining what it is that God wants to do with our lives. I don't believe that everybody in here is called to move overseas. I do believe, though, that everyone is called to the needy and the oppressed. Every one of us. In some form or another, we are all called. we are all part of what God wants to do. Some of us may help by raising money. Some of us might help by raising awareness. Some of us might help by going. Some of us might help by telling others, taking others with us. Some of us might live in one of these countries or any other country of the world that we've mentioned for the rest of your life. But my goal and my desire is at the end of our lives, we can write that it's written in our hearts no regrets. No regrets. Desperation was a launching point for me. Desperation was a, was a sending off for me. It was a, a spark ignited in my heart for the poor and the oppressed, the needy, the widows and the orphans. And My life and the life of somebody, some people around, somewhere around the world is different because of what God did in me here. So as we sing this last song, I, I think let's just leave, let's just leave this front area open and I think, If you want to, come on up front. And some of us need to say, okay, God, I'm scared about this. I don't know what to do, but I'm going to come down here and I just want to lay some of my hindrances, my fears right here at your feet. For some of you, this might be about going on a trip for a very first time. Or for some of you, maybe you've been wrestling with God about what he wants to do in in you for the rest of your life. For some of you, I think you're going to be coming up here and, and you know that God's saying, I want you to go. I want you to give your life away. I want you to move to another foreign land and, and I want you to live there for the rest of your life so that you can help the poor and the needy. So as we sing this last song, as we close out this session, I want this front area to be a place where we engage God's heart for the poor and the needy and what that means for us, okay? So just leave this up here. You guys can come up, just kneel down and let's engage God. You've just heard one of the speakers from Desperation, a ministry of New Life Church in Colorado Springs. For more information on becoming a Desperation intern, attending one of our conferences, or joining the Desperation National Network for Local Churches, visit us at desperationonline.com.